This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. You know, I was going to come in and start singing It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, but really for the NHL and other sports leagues, that hasn't been the case. And if you're just joining us and you've been following what's going on around the National Hockey League, the NHL and NHL Players Association, they've agreed to postpone five games Thursday, the day before the holiday break. And there will be games played tonight, only two. Of course, Tampa Bay taking on Vegas later tonight. We're going to get into that. I am Greg Linelli along with Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick is producing as we try and piece this all together. Dave Gosher is going to join us here in about 20 minutes. He's the play-by-play man for Vegas. We're going to get some thoughts on how well the Golden Knights have played so far this year. They've recently won five games in a row. They've got Jack Eichel kind of waiting in the wings, and eventually he'll return to play, and that'll be a pretty good team, no doubt. Maybe two of the best teams in the league facing off tonight. But, partner, it's good to be with you, and... We know this was going to be a three-game road trip, but the Lightning aren't going to play two of those games. We know the the game against the Avs postponed, and then all games Thursday, as I just said, going to be postponed. And the Lightning had Arizona on the schedule, and under the revised schedule, December 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th are going to be days off for all purposes, including travel. And then you'll see some practice time on the 26th, maybe games resuming back on the 27th. And then from there, we'll just kind of see how things go. But as we talked to Chris Johnston yesterday from Sportsnet regarding COVID and the protocols in place, I think the league is just trying to navigate through this to the best of their abilities and make the best decisions they can. Yeah, it's really an unenviable task. And I'll repeat what I said yesterday. I think that the the league, and it's the league and the Players Association, they are making this decision to, to pause pre-Christmas in a bubble. I think they're in consultation with the PA. And you're never going to please everybody. I mean, you were telling me Connor Hellebuck is unhappy with, I guess, the Olympic decision and, and the postponed games. The Olympic decision has not yet become official although when we had Chris Johnson on yesterday he thought it it might break yesterday it didn't later in the day yesterday and it didn't but I think it's a damned if you do damned if you don't situation I mean if the league is a little bit more on the proactive side which they are they are being you're gonna have people upset and if they are less on the proactive side you're going to have people complain. So they're the decision makers, and when you are in that seat, criticism is going to come your way. Having said that, I think what this does is a couple of things. First of all, it eliminates the potential for them to have to make any split-second decisions right before Christmas, which might be tough. And if we can get through this last day, and the Lightning are one of four teams playing, you know, you hope that everybody who wants to get to where they were going to on Christmas will be able to get there. And that's important. It's important for me. I know. It's important for everybody who was traveling these last few days. So I think that that's part of it. And the other part of it, too, is that we don't want to see teams playing six, seven, eight guys short. Maybe they wouldn't let that happen but now you're just saying to teams okay 
let's take a breath here. Let's try and come back on the 26th. We're going to test before you're allowed even in the facility to work out if you're a player. Let's try and get to some, like, ground zero level here, some neutral point. And maybe they think, Greg, if we're going to test every day, which is the policy moving forward, and you have a positive case or even two positive cases, you can catch it early enough so that it doesn't become seven, eight, nine positive tests. That's the advantage of testing every day, in my opinion. And it was almost like for a lot of these teams, the cat was out of the bag or the horse was out of the barn, whatever analogy you want to use, before they started doing the testing every day. They were testing every 72 hours, and they'd run a test, and it would be like Florida, five, six guys we're positive, maybe they feel like, all right, post-Christmas, we're going to test every day. If we have one or two positives pop up, let's let's get those players away from the rest of the group. And we're testing on a day-by-day basis. So hopefully if there's a, a positive case, we can avoid an outbreak. Because that's really what we're talking about, right? Like, what's the end game here? Forget the Olympics for a second. What's the end game here? Get games in and allow teams to play with as close to their actual NHL roster as possible. So I don't know can if it's you, gonna work, but can I can you, understand their their logic there. The other part of this too, Greg, real quick, I read this uh, report out of Vancouver. So Vancouver was one of the teams that had the, the players, along with Calgary, I guess, but like a lot of the players who were out in Vancouver are nearing the end of their window. And so I think the discussion was, do we have a pause post-Christmas? And I read a report that, you know, like a team like Vancouver was saying, hey, we're we're going to be getting some of our players back around the time we're going to be starting again. So they feel good about kind of where their team might be at in conjunction with all of these added sure. protocols. And that makes sense. My yeah. question to you would be, and for the league – because it is about getting games in, but can you continue to get games in, let's say at an 82-game pace, which is what they want to do for a lot of reasons, if guys are constantly testing positive and are asymptomatic, and as long as you have these rules in place where guys are going to have to sit out? Something from that standpoint, Dave, is going to have to give if you want to complete the regular season at least somewhat on time and have the integrity of an 82-game season. You know, one thing that the recent 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick discussed was that they started to get into this discussion about do they do what they did last year where you're playing the same team multiple times mm-hmm. in a short span? And for me, that can be somewhat of a, a competitive disadvantage and maybe not fair <laughs> Because yeah. what if what if you're playing a last place team on consecutive nights or let's say three times in a week, you beat up on that team and instead you were supposed you were supposed to play a first place team because of the schedule and just wanting to get the games in, you end up playing a last place team and maybe the team you're competing for the top spot is in a different situation. I don't like that situation. I understand you do what you have to do to kind of get to where you want to get if players have to continue to sit out or you're adjusting the schedule. But I go back to what I've always said. I think if you want a straight line to the regular season into the postseason and you want the cleanest path to get there, 
I think we're starting to see some of the players and general managers and possibly even the league start to come on board. And I asked Chris Johnson this question point blank, and he said, I think you're starting to see it. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. But if you really want to get 82 games in, if you want to continue to keep, I think, the integrity of this schedule intact and not do some of these other options which would be out of the norm, playing multiple teams multiple nights or playing one team three times in a week just to get games in, I think something's going to have to give with the testing. I don't know if the NHL is there yet, Dave. Maybe this pause will allow them to take a step back and take all the feedback from medical advisors, the Players Association, and the league in general. But I think if you want to get to this season being played the most normal we've seen it, and maybe that's not possible, but certainly for next year, I think something with the testing is going to have to give, whether that's not testing every day, whether that's letting players who are asymptomatic that maybe don't have this viral load that you brought up, maybe that's put in place, although I think there's some questions as to whether or not you can accurately read that and and come to a, a great conclusion. And it might just be up to the players who, as we've said before, everybody is basically vaccinated. I think at this point they understand the risks. And Sidney Crosby was quoted today in The Athletic about the Olympics, and they talked about the symptoms that he had. And he said, look, they were mild. Uh, I, I was fine after a couple of days. I you know lost some smell and taste, but... It was almost like he was like, you know, I, I dealt with it, and it's just something we're going to have to deal with. If that's the mindset, I think most players would be on board completing the season the way it is. I think it's the testing, Dave, to get the full season in. Something's going to have to give there, in my opinion, uh, unless we're just going to be in this constant state of postponements, and then you end up playing a 70-game season, and you make some adjustments that way. Those are good questions. And look, if there are enough players who are going to their union saying, we don't like this, we don't like the policy that is in place, there's a reason why they have a union. There's a reason why what they call the CBA is called the collective bargaining agreement because it's collective, right? It's not just the NHL setting the rules. And they have a partner in this. So we'll see if that comes to pass. I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. My instinct tells me that more testing is better than less testing. But as I've said, way probably more than I'd like to, based on the topics that we're covering here in the last week, what do I know? Well, I think your opinion is... I mean, I'm is... a broadcaster. I'm not a medical expert. I've never run a but league you stayed before. At, but you stayed at a Holiday Inn yesterday, Dave, and that makes you an expert. <laughs> yes. No, look, I, I think you're... You're a smart guy. We, we, everybody's opinion who is, uh, you think it through and you, and you bring it to the table, it's a valid opinion because, Dave, there's not a book that is written on how no. to deal with COVID we're, during we're a hockey this season. Out. Yeah, we're yeah, figuring we this go. out on the fly. And I think, and listen, what we're, what we're, what we're learning now or what we, we are, we are more advanced in kind of understanding what we're dealing with now than we were in March of 2020. But what we were dealing with in March of 2020, the virus in March of 2020 is different in some ways than the Omicron sure. variant. Sure. So that part is different and understanding what challenges this variant poses, clearly more contagious, but do we know that it's more mild yet? 
I, I think that it appears to be. Yeah, but... and I think all of those questions you have posed are very valid. I think some of the questions and some comments that have been posed maybe counter to that are valid as well. I think you need people in a room to come up with some ideas. What 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 is best for the game while at the same time keeping the players safe? The one thing that I I, I take from all of this, and there are Dave, there are exceptions as you know and as Steve knows in life where it's an exception to the rule. What we do know, I think from COVID and the new variant is that it's definitely contagious. It certainly affects the elderly population more when we talk about fatalities than it does younger people who are in shape and eat well and for the most part can battle back if they do get it. Again, it doesn't happen for everybody. But the data suggests a a guy who is 25 years old in the prime of his career, one that's been vaccinated, (laughs) is less likely to have major symptoms than somebody who is, let's say, 65 and who may be a little bit overweight and has pre-existing conditions. And I'm sure the league is looking at all of that data, and they're saying, look, this new variant is very contagious. Let's pause to see what this exactly means. But I think eventually the league is going to have to look at this, and maybe in conjunction with the Canadian government, and they're going to have to say, listen, we want to protect our players. But the fact that we decided to start the the season and, and play – and COVID at the time was was still significant. And then this new variant came in midway through the season. And maybe that threw a little bit of a monkey wrench in the plans. But I think the fact that the leagues, all the sports teams, decided to come back and play, even though COVID was still out there and, you know, the vaccine was was being run through the population and natural immunity was kind of taking its course as well, that they had to have some level of comfort, Dave, to open up the leagues in general. And so with that being said, I think you have you, you do take on a little bit of a risk, but I think it's a risk the league was willing to take when they said, all right, we're going to start the season on time, even though we know COVID is out there. Now with this new variant out there, I think they're still looking at it, and I, th- I still think they're saying, all right, we're going to pause, but we're going to continue to play because the symptoms seem not as severe as maybe some who got COVID. Yeah, they said that in that press release. And and they did. And I think that, to me, reading the tea leaves, I I think the league is going to look at this and say, all right, we're going to carry on. The question for me is, what do you do with the testing? Is it more testing, Dave? Is it less testing for asymptomatic asymptomatic players? And I think for me, that is something I'm going to watch for because I think that will tell us if – they really can maybe fit in this regular season schedule without shortchanging it, meaning 82 games, maybe to 76, or really having to reconfigure mm-hmm. how this is going to all play out. Yeah, what you brought up with, with what Jeff and Elliot were talking about on the 32 Thoughts podcast, I hadn't heard any of that before. Were they saying that that was what they were understanding the league and the PA were discussing, or that was just them they heard speculating. That, and Steve might have read this or listened to it as well, because I know he listens to that podcast. My understanding was they were just talking to different people and that maybe basically what Elliot was saying, I think everything is on the table right now. It was an idea floated. It was an idea basically. floated. And actually, one of the ideas they threw about when it came to the Olympics this year was delaying the Olympics for a year. Which Tokyo did. Yes. 
and yep. you know a, a way for guys like a Steven Stamkos and a Victor Hedman to possibly get back and play in the Olympics for the first time. So they were going over a number of different things. The, that wouldn't the, be their decision, though. That would be the IOC's decision. Yes, they would correct. have to. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, the, this is a bigger, bigger question with the hockey players. You know, potentially looks like pulling out. What are they going to do with the, all the other athletes? You know, as well, because I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're in many ways you're still faced with that same situation. Might be a little bit different than than hockey but probably for another another topic but it was one of the ideas that they they threw out that you're going to have maybe this schedule where let's say tampa bay goes to boston and instead of playing the bruins one night they play them back to back yeah you know or or two out of to cut down on on the number of cities a team would be visiting yeah but then i mean then but then, then the you would have an unbalanced even more of an unbalanced and that, i don't schedule. like that dave that yeah. to me and that goes back to me like what if you're playing a team who's in last place but let's say the lightning had to play a team who was in the top of their division multiple times and the lightning didn't have a chance to maybe possibly make up some of those points against one of the bottom feeders in their division not taking those points for granted but you understand i think he, i think the league let's put it this way would like to avoid that obviously but I think it's those were two of the things that I took from that conversation. But the one thing, the bigger picture was, I think all ideas are on the table. And I think the league is probably going to take the next five days or so for sure, in addition to what mm-hmm. they've been doing anyways, to say right, w- what's best for the league. And I don't know if they're looking at the NBA, if they're going to look at the NFL. And, and, you know, it is a copycat league on the field, as we've seen it on the ice. Uh, is it off the field as well? And to me, that'll be interesting to see. But as Chris said, the NFL is a bit different than the than the NHL yeah. because less games and and they're nearing the end of their season. They are nearing. The they're end nearing of their the finish line. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know if they're as strict with their vaccine protocols as the NHL was, or at least how many players got it compared to you know where we are with the NHL. So I, I understand that's apples and oranges to some extent. But we know these leagues. I'm sure they talk to each other about what what they're doing and what their plan of attack is. So. Um, it's it's unfortunate, I think, where we are. And it's unfortunate a little bit, Dave. We have our next guest, Dave Gosher, on coming up in about five minutes that it, the games are secondary right now, which is leaves yeah. a bad taste in your mouth because this had this had the makings, and it still does, of really being front and center around the league. In some ways, it still is to a bit, to an extent. But the way Vegas is playing, and the way the Lightning are playing, and the news that Brain Point is going to be coming back, most likely after Christmas, Kucherov's getting there. I mean, this has a, a chance to be really a focal point for the league, but instead, you know, we're talking about COVID protocols, which I think is unfortunate. It's a reality, but it is unfortunate. Well, I wouldn't say that this has a, a playoff night feel because they are regular season games. And right now, Philly is out of the playoff picture, although the other three teams that are playing are above the playoff cut line. But it does kind of have that feel where you have the one game at 7, Eastern, and the one game at 10, right? and that's it. So while you're right that the on-ice part, from a news standpoint, has taken a back seat, for those people who are interested in watching hockey tonight, there are two options, and they're happening one after the other. So... While it's going to be late in the East Coast, we may get a lot of eyeballs or maybe eardrums if they're listening to to us on Lightning Radio following tonight's game, which hopefully will be a good one. Yep. 
I would agree. Let's uh, let's go to break, and we will talk to Dave Gosher about Vegas. Where are they right now? How well are they playing? Jack Eichel, when do they expect him back? And so much more. It is a game night. It's at 10 o'clock, which means the pregame's at 9.30. He is Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Lanelli. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. It should be a good one tonight. Tampa Bay and Vegas. Greg Lanelli along with Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick is our producer. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can at Bolts Radio. We'll be on the airwaves at 9.30 with the pregame and then Dave with the game call at 10. Joining us right now, special guest. Appreciate him making time to talk about this game and so much more. He's the Golden Knights TV voice. Let's welcome to the program Dave Gosher. Dave, great to be with you. And, boy, a lot of news here the last uh, couple of days when it comes to the NHL. We're not over this COVID stuff, are we? Yeah, sadly, right? Uh, it's, uh, you know, hopefully we're not taking steps back to where we were almost a couple of years ago. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we were just on a, on a, a week-long trip out east and, um, you know, right in, the, in New York and a couple of days in Boston and fortunately able to get through that unscathed. But, yeah, it's uh, obviously we all hoped that, you know, these days were going to be left in the past, but obviously they're not. So try to navigate through tonight and then uh, see where we are after Christmas. Well, Ghosh, we're going to talk to you today about the on-ice stuff. We're not going to force you to answer questions that probably are a little out of your wheelhouse. I know they were a little out of my wheelhouse. But I'm I'm looking at the Vegas game by game, and I remember how you guys started one and four, and clearly the team has turned it around since then, and they really turned it around with, with a couple of main guys out of the lineup. How are they able to, to kind of right the ship after the tough start? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, Mish. I mean, you hit it right on the head there. They were decimated with injuries early in the year and high-end guys. You know, Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone each missed over a dozen games. William Carlson was in that same boat. They were all out at the same time. Um, You know, Alec Martinez has been out here for a significant period as well right now, Um, so he's missed time. They had eight guys out of their lineup. Earlier this year, you mentioned one and four. They were one and four, and they had a two-game swing through Colorado and Dallas. And I remember thinking, this could get to one and six pretty quick. And that's a long way back from there. And fortunately, they were able to win both of those games. So I think they've been able to right the ship um, by getting healthier. You know, they've, they've had most of their top guys back in the lineup. Um, so that's been a huge part of it. I mean, you can – but they've done more than just kind of tread water. I mean, they've, they haven't really fallen – ever too far back i guess since one and four right they've put together a real good run since then so a lot of their turnaround has been um you know where they've won i think it's eight out of nine now uh, the return to health of stone patch and carlson alex petrangelo has been fantastic for them all year long um you know they lost zach Whitecloud to injury for a significant period he's back so i think you throw all that into the mix but the fact that they you know they didn't completely sink when they had eight guys out of the lineup earlier this year and managed to to find ways to to put points in the bank is uh you know was was a huge part of it for them to where they're now tied for for first in the west boy dave i think when you take a look at their roster up and down and you mentioned stone patcheretti back and and performing at a very high level depth scoring or balance scoring seems really to come to the forefront is that what you're seeing when this team is playing as well as they are right now it's it's pretty solid top to bottom yeah and they you know they needed that i i do think that a lot of the load lately although not the last three games you know stone missed the last game with uh due to injury but 
Patch already in stone, really. And Stevenson, Chandler Stevenson has to be mentioned here, guys. I mean, he's a lot of people wonder, like, is he a legit number one center? Uh, well, he's playing like it. You know, he's a point of game player for the Golden Knights and usually, you know, with Stone and Patch already on the wings. But I do think their depth scoring, you know, Nick Waz come up with some big goals for them. Evgeny Dodonov, uh, you know, was up to eight goals this year. Brett Howden chipped in with a goal and an assist in their win uh, against the Rangers the other night. Will Carrier's come up with some timely goals. So, yeah, and I think it's an area, guys, that they tried to address in the offseason. You know, they brought in Dodonov. They kept Yanmark. They brought in Nolan Patrick, um, and it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to contribute. Um, you know, he's been out with concussion-like symptoms here. You know, for a couple of months, he's only played four games this year. He is skating with the team. We'll see if he's able to come back. We haven't mentioned Jack Eichel yet. You know, oh, by the way, he's waiting in the wings, hopefully, um, you know, at some point in, in February. So, yeah, they've gotten it done different ways, to say the least, but they've had to because of, especially earlier this year, all the injuries they were uh, just hammered with. I want to ask you about Stevenson because both the Lightning and Golden Knights saw him with the Capitals the year the Caps won the Stanley Cup. I was impressed with him. He was a bottom six guy in the Caps, and then the Golden Knights were able to acquire him. The Caps gave up on him. Were you surprised that they moved on from him, and was it simply a matter of him getting more of an opportunity where he wasn't behind Backstrom and Kuznetsov stuck there basically in Washington? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is, Mish. I think, you know, he wanted to play more. I don't know if that was really going to happen in Washington, the way their lineup was was set up. You know, who else would be in that mix? Lars Eller, I guess, right? So, I mean, you know, where where is he yeah. going to – where is he going to play more in that lineup? Now, I've always thought here, and it's just – you know, they, they won't say – the team here won't say that, you know, they, they feel they needed a stud, legitimate number one center like Jack Eichel. Um, they did go out and acquire him, though. Now, they went out and got him when they had all these injuries up front, um, and they were just you know looking down the road. I think they felt, boy, what would a line look like with Eichel, Stone, and Pacioretty? So I, but that being said, Stevenson has played, or at least he's shown with his play, he doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to stay between those two guys to the point now even – our little broadcast group, we're almost kind of, you know, in our own minds, us, us geniuses, Mish, you know how that is. <laughs> yes. um, you know, what's, what's the lineup going to look like when Eichel's here? I, I don't know if you split up Stevenson, Stone, and Patch already. I, they have been one of the most productive lines in the league this year. So, But, yeah, I think he's a guy that if he – let's just say he was your third-line center, and their centers were Eichel, Carlson, Wah, and Stevenson in no particular order – that's that's a lot of depth down the middle, and you know, hopefully, we'll see. You know, that the way they've had to deal with injuries this year, we'll see if they get to that point. But he's been uh, he's been fantastic for them. Dave Gosher joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play, getting you set for Lightning and the Golden Knights tonight. You know, Dave, it's interesting. You mentioned Eichel. Surprised that Vegas was able to get a guy like that. What eventually? Was the the last piece there? Was it just the package was too much for Buffalo to give up? Was it uh, agreeing to the type of surgery that Eichel wanted? I know there were a lot of moving pieces, but from what you heard and what you saw, what made that deal possible? Yeah, I think you're, I think it's a good way to put it. I, I think there were a lot of moving pieces uh, and a lot a lot into it. I, I do think there was a desire, probably 
eventually from the Sabres part, uh, to be honest with you, Greg, to just kind of move on from all this. You know, they, they weren't going to reach any common ground uh, on that surgery. Uh, I think that was, that was pretty apparent. Uh, what put it over the top? To me, it was probably putting Peyton Krebs in that deal. Um, real high, uh, you know, first-round pick for the Golden Knights, highly touted prospect. Um, you know, Alex Tuck, who was a real good player for this team, um, you know, looks like he might be able to come back here for the Sabres uh, in the not-too-distant future, but hadn't played for the Golden Knights this year. So I think it was probably, you know, the combination of those two things, um, you know, putting putting some draft picks in there. But it was more Tuck and Krebs, and, and especially the, the combination of those two guys, uh, where they were able to move on. It, it's funny, Greg, I, I think, you know, I said this to somebody recently, the Golden Knights, it, it only, I know it's not this easy, but it's almost like if they want a player, they just go out and get them. You know, they traded for Max Pacioretty. They traded for Mark Stone. They traded for Alec Martinez. They traded for Robin Leonard. Um, you know, they, they signed Alex Petrangelo to this big deal uh, a couple of years ago. And now they go out and trade Jack Eichel. So now you can't do that without drafting very well. You know, the Golden Knights have traded four first-round picks, all three that they had in the first year of the franchise. And now Peyton Krebs, who was a first-rounder a couple of years ago. But... Uh, and they've just been able to kind of make these deals. Um, they've been able to maneuver the salary cap. You know, they can't make these deals if they don't move on to Marc-Andre Fleury, which I know left a real bitter taste in a lot of fans of Isle State, uh, out here. But um, they had to get some salary cap relief. They did that by trading Fleury $7 million, And, you know, that freed up the money to do other things. Keep Yanmar, keep Martinez, and trade for somebody like Jack Eichel. I don't know if... People in Vegas, outside the the team bubble, understand how historic this first four-year run for the Golden Knights has been. When you think about it, three out of four years getting to the conference final or deeper, and then really an improbable loss in the other series where he had a big lead in Game 7, and who knows what would have happened had, had the Golden Knights been able to win that series. I'm just wondering, like, what is the fan sentiment? Is it appreciation for how remarkable this run has been or an element of almost impatience that all the pieces haven't quite fit into place here and, and culminated in a Stanley cup. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question, Mitch. I think that uh, I, well, I think first off there's a, there's a, an enormous amount of appreciation for what this team's been able to do. I mean, it's been, it's been off the charts. Now it was all set up to your point by that, you know, just, I don't know, it was just kind of a magical run in year one. Um, I do think uh, the people that are high up on the food chain, hockey ops wise, looked at it and they knew that as great as that year was, they had to get better as a team. You know, they had to get more depth as a team. And, you know, they make all these moves they've made since then. Um, I also think to a degree, you know, it's funny how you build expectations, right? And you've lived this in Tampa where, it's almost like people just want to fast forward the calendar to, to May and June and see what they can do in the playoffs. You know, but there's, there's a long way to go before you can get there. You have to get there first off, which that wasn't looking particularly promising through the first five games of this season. But I think it's a mixture of uh, appreciation for what this team has brought to Vegas, to the Valley, the first ever major league team, how successful they've been. I also think it's important to kind of caution people. This doesn't just happen. It never happens. You never get an expansion team that does this. Um, but that's, that's also coupled with now the expectations are sky high 
I don't know if it's Stanley Cup or bust because I, I, I think that, and you guys, you've been through this, it's so hard to win. You have to have so many things go your way to win the whole thing. But I will say this, guys, it, it's been unbelievable to be a part of it, and I, I'm glad that the expectations are as high as they are. You know, the worst thing would be just apathy, right? And, well, if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. They're a young franchise. No, that's not the case. The expectation is this team's going to be a Stanley Cup contender for years to come. And um, all these moves they've made has been with, uh, you know, along uh, the, the lines of, of that effort of, make, you know, they didn't just want to be a one-hit wonder, you know, from 17-18. They wanted to build this to be a legit threat and a contender every year. And, you know, gone to the Final Four three times in four years. And to your point, Mish, you know, probably would have made a decent run if that whole debacle in Game 7 didn't happen against San Jose. Quick follow-up, Greg. Just I'm curious now for your opinion, Dave, because the Lightning were in a similar boat. A lot of deep runs, including a 62-win regular season that that was followed by a stunning sweep in the first round. And organizationally, they decided to to make some changes, both in terms of the personnel and the way they felt the team needed to play, which is interesting because not every team would would do that necessarily. You might say, well, we've come close. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. Do you get the sense, and this is, I'm asking your opinion, that it's just a matter of keep doing what you're doing for Vegas, or is there some fundamental part that you think has been missing as to why they haven't been able to, to win a Stanley Cup, even though they're yeah. deep? Yeah, no, I was going to say, Mitch, well, the last two years, there's been two common themes as they've gone deeper in the playoffs. The goals have dried up, and their power play has dried up. They have been non-factor. The power play was not a factor. You know, each of the last two years as they kind of got to that, we'll call it the third round, the conference finals, the semifinals, against Dallas and against Montreal. Their power play was not a factor in the series. And, you know, some of their best players, um, you know, the goals just dried up for them. Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone would be, you know, they're, they're their two best players. And um, were unable to, you know, score at the clip you would expect them to. I do think, too, they, they were a great team, Mish, off the rush last year. They scored a lot of goals off the rush. They're still a great rush team. Pete DeBoer's talked about this. They need to find more ways to score in their repertoire. You know, ugly goals in the playoffs. Goals, you know, in the blue paint where most of the goals are scored um, in the playoffs. They, they, would, they would score a lot of goals off the rush and off – Cycles in the offensive zone. You know, the Carlson Marshall Smith line is fantastic as they've been together now for five years of creating goals off short little plays, cycle plays in the offensive zone. So they wanted to find more ways to score, which they've tried to do um, as they've moved on. So that, but that would be, you know, the common themes is that the goals disappeared and the power play was not a factor for them as the playoffs moved on. Now, can somebody like Jack Eichel hope, uh, help in both of those areas? Hopefully. I, I sure think so. I mean, I don't think any team wins now, Mission. You guys have been through this. You need a, a you know, a stud defenseman. They've got Alex Petrangelo, a stud number one center. They've got Jack Eichel. And, and you obviously you need an all-world goaltender. You guys have that with Andre Vasilevsky. We'll see if, if Robin Leonard can, can carry them to where they, they want to go. But, yeah, they have, you know, tweaked some things to try to score in different ways. And which they feel is going to be imperative, you know, as uh, they get down the road into the springtime. Dave Gosher joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Last question for me, Dave, and it, it does deal with the goaltending. Why didn't it work long term with Marc Andre Fleury? I'm sure his salary had something to do with it, but he was an elite goaltender for Vegas, and it always seemed 
the Golden Knights, at least the coaching staff there, always had to be a quicker hook than most with someone who was a pretty accomplished net minor. Yeah, I think, Greg, it, you know, when it changed a bit maybe under Pete DeBoer, you know, when they – I think, you know, there's probably was a different setup and a different situation when Gerard Gallant was still coaching the team. Um, there was much more of a platoon, if you will. Actually, well, it wasn't even a platoon in the bubble. I mean, Robert Leonard took over the number one job um, in the bubble for them in Edmonton. Um, I think last year they used it that platoon very well. Actually, you know, Fleury got more of the starts last year than than Leonard did. Um, I, I do think for them, twelve million bucks wrapped up in two goalies was too much. It worked last year, being in a compressed schedule. Um, but they they basically had told you know they they at the end of the uh, last season had met with both goalies and said we're probably not going to go with this tandem next year. Somebody's more than likely going to move on. Um, you know, there's been all sorts of conjecture out here, Greg, that they tried to move Robin Leonard and it fell through. And I, I, I would believe that. I, you know, I think they realized, you know, when Kelly McCrimmon traded Marc-Andre Fleury, he said he's the most popular player he's ever seen on a team anywhere, you know, when he was the face of this franchise. You know, if you look at it, though, on the, you know, the, bear, the numbers of it, and it's hard sometimes to do to strip the emotion, you know, I think Fleury's at 37 years old now. Leonard's 30, if I'm not mistaken. He still has three years left on his contract. Um, so I think that that was certainly part of it. I don't, I don't think there's any way you can get around that. The Golden Knights have said since expansion, they've been wondering who's going to be the next goalie for Mark Andre. You know, after Mark Andre Fleury, and it turns out that that Robin Leonard's that guy. So I think there's all sorts of different things that go into the mix. Um, I don't think you can get around the fact that. That was a deal that stung the fan base here like no other move they've made. You know, they've traded popular players. Nate Schmidt was a popular player here. They fired Gerard Gallant, who was a heck of a popular coach here. I guess if you're going to be in that position, you have to make hard decisions. And I'm glad it's not my – thank heavens it's not my job. But uh, <laughs> none of those other moves held a candle to trading Fleury. But yeah. that being said, they wouldn't be able to they, – they were, they were screwed up against the cap guys. There's no other way to put it. They played a guy short last year. Ten times. They only played 56 games, and that was because of cap implications. They, they could not put themselves in a spot to go through that again another season and have this. They called salary cap gymnastics. They just couldn't do it. It wasn't, it wasn't going to be feasible over an 82-game schedule. Well, Dave, this was outstanding stuff. We appreciate it. Have uh, fun on the game call. Stay safe out there, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, that would be great, guys. Uh, stay safe as well. Have a great holidays. Take care. You got it. Merry Christmas to uh, Dave Gosher and his family, and we'll take a break. We've got uh, the Lightning recalling Andre Schuster. We'll talk about that when we return. He is Dave Mishkin. I am Greg Lanelli. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Get to some Lightning news here in a bit, but... A little bit more on the Vegas Golden Knights here, Dave. Uh, Greg Lanelli, Dave Michigan with you as Power Lunch rolls along. We're getting you set for the game tonight. 9.30's pregame, 10 o'clock. The puck drops. We hope you listen to us here on Lightning Power Play. It does feel like once they get Jack Eichel back, and Dave, we have no way of knowing how good he's going to be when he does return. We want to make sure he's healthy and his neck is feeling great. And It sounded like mm-hmm. the surgery that he and his team wanted and that was eventually performed Went well. I think, you know, the proof will be in the the pudding, so to speak, once you see how well he plays. But when Jack Eichel was healthy, he, you can make a case, was an elite player. And 
I think Vegas has a couple of guys on that roster for sure who are really, really good players. You get Eichel in that mix who can potentially be a game changer. And as you know, we had uh, uh, Dave Gosher on the previous segment talking about maybe the goals drying up a bit in the playoffs as to one of the reasons why at times they have struggled getting over that hump. Yeah. Eichel could really be somebody who comes in and, and gives them an added boost, and it's basically adding a high-end free agent or high-end piece at the trade deadline for Vegas when they eventually do get him back. Yeah, I'm always interested to see how these paper models, we'll call them, <laughs> like the fantasy lineup equates to the actual effectiveness of a line when you put them on the ice. So I've heard as from the minute they acquired Eichel, Stone, Pacioretty, Eichel. Who knows? I mean, maybe they'll have great chemistry if they decide to, to put that line together. Maybe they won't. They know they have good chemistry with Stevenson, though, as the center. And that's why that topic is so rich and ripe for debate, which is why Ghosh was saying that the broadcasters on Vegas have their own little discussions about it. But let's say Eichel doesn't mesh as well as they would like with Stone and Pacioretty, and they want to keep Stone and Pacioretty, who do mesh well. There was no guarantee that those guys were going to mesh as well as they have when they acquired them, not at the same time, one after the other. But they play really well together on a line and on the power play. Maybe Eichel goes on to another line, and, and he's good enough that you know maybe you find a different line combination. I mean, certainly the Lightning aren't married to, to one specific line. They mix guys up and down the lineup all the time. And I think John Cooper likes that because it gives him flexibility to experiment during the regular season or the experimentation during the regular season gives him flexibility in the playoffs. So he kind of knows what he's got when he decides to mix up the line. So uh, we'll follow that. I mean, we'll see if Eichel, when he when he is able to return, who he's playing with, assuming that their lineup is is fully healthy and, and Pete DeBoer has everybody at his – disposal basically to to be able to use how he wants the part that i thought was really interesting about what dave said and you just mentioned it was they need more offense deep in the playoffs and that is not something you often hear i mean you've said that a little bit about the islanders when the lightning have seen the islanders that yeah they're missing a game breaker oh, I, right? i've been pretty passionate about the islanders you not have having been. enough but i don't think you can look at vegas and say they're missing game breakers i mean you got patchy ready you got stone you marcia so i mean that guy can score you got i like their Petrangelo. offense yeah, you're right and i like so it's offense. interesting yeah. that maybe if there is a missing piece it has to do with them putting the puck in the net not other elements that you think of in the playoffs which is kind of how well are you defending? How structured are you? How hard are you to play against? How's your penalty kill? It was kind of in the other direction. He's right. I mean, he's right about the statement that their offense has dried up. But sometimes that happens in the playoffs. And when that happens, you have to find a way to win a game one nothing, right? And, yeah, it's, and, and they haven't been able to do it yeah. in some of these in some of these close games against Dallas two years ago. Sure. And Montreal last year. Yeah, and it's look, we we didn't watch a ton, or at least I haven't, of uh, Vegas in the playoffs at times. But I mean, you see enough where their I actually, power play was completely lost last which year is in just the conference amazing. final. They had no confidence. No confidence, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. And and look, that sounds cliche when you start talking about confidence because it sounds like a cop out when you're 
analyzing a team and you, and you sit there and say, well, people want to know what the problem is. They want to dive into the X's and O's. They want to see, well, maybe that player is not good on the on the wing or on the wall, and, and maybe he's struggling with a shot and they have to make an adjustment. It's true, and that can happen. And if there is a, a change that needs to be made, we'll call that out. But I think you're right. In that instance, it might have just been a bunch of guys, Dave, who were struggling at the same time, and they just yeah. they didn't they didn't believe they were going to be successful. And really, in sports and in life, if you don't have confidence, you're not going to be as successful. And I think I think that's a fair point. I actually like that. You know, you compared it to the Islanders. Not that you were specifically doing that, but when we talk about game breakers. You know, but you, you wouldn't think that of Vegas. That's, that's what I mean. Point. Like I like I, yeah. I like Vegas's roster more than I like the Islanders from that standpoint. You know, when you talk about up and down the offensive abilities that their players have, I actually think they have more high-end players than the Islanders. I didn't even mention, say, Theodore. I mean, he's, now he's, he's kind phenomenal. of – Yeah, like Petrangelo is their splashy offensive defenseman with good reason. I was looking at his numbers, Greg. Like, he may be in the running for the Norris this year. Yeah. He's among the league leaders in scoring. He's among the league leaders in ice time. He's among the league leaders in block shots. I mean, he's really doing it all for Vegas. You know, but Theodore is a tremendous player. Dave, they don't have. I mean, again, if Eichel gets to a certain level where he was previously before the injuries, and look, sometimes a change of scenery, even for an elite player, is a huge deal. Maybe it doesn't happen. We'll find out potentially if it all works out for them. They have the makings of being one of the deeper, most potent teams in the league if they're already not there. I mean, I think you can put them in the same category as Tampa Bay. The Florida Panthers are struggling a bit right now, but certainly we were talking about their depth. I mean, goaltending starting to rear its ugly head a bit with the Panthers. We'll see how that plays out. I think for me, Vegas, yes, I think the scoring is going to be a question mark until they prove otherwise, but can you win a championship with Robin Leonard? And they have certainly set their sights on he is the guy for the most part, and I think that will be a question mark. But it does have the makings of being a very deep team, and I think it's, mm -hmm. it's a team to certainly watch moving forward. Of course, the Lightning, Dave, we know they're a deep team. They're going to be getting Braden Point back pretty soon. Kucherov at some point as well. Chernak hopefully as well. They recalled Andre Schuster. We'll get into maybe why they did that in just a bit. But you know what? Something we probably should have talked about a little bit more yesterday, but we'll bring it up right now in this last segment of the show. If the Olympics are canceled... And it sounds like it will. And you feel for the players who by Olympics selected. canceled, you mean NHL players? NHL not going players to the going Olympics. to the yes. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, I, I misspoke. NHL players going to the Olympics. That is going, in my opinion, benefit the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not because you know you go and you, you have maybe nine to ten guys playing and, and there's injuries and and Dave, I don't know how many games they're going to play during that three week open calendar in February. But the Lightning have played a lot of hockey the last two calendar seasons. And any rest they can get is beneficial. I mean, it. they've missed a couple of games here that have been postponed, which means, oh, look, those are two more games that potentially you could have Braden Point in the lineup, Kucherov as well. But I think for a team who's played as, as much hockey as Tampa Bay has over the last two years, to be able to maybe kick back a little bit and rest up when they haven't necessarily had that traditional offseason, and obviously that's not the case now, but maybe if you can find a few more days here and there, I don't think that's a bad thing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. In fact, I think that is a big deal. I wonder if it also changes their opinion on their goaltender rotation. You know, there was some talk maybe 
because of the the Olympics and Vassy going and maybe not wanting to wear him down a bit, does Elliot get a few more starts? And maybe, Dave, that doesn't factor into the equation at all. But maybe it does. And now maybe Vassy gets a few more starts, knowing now on the back end you're going to have some extra days. I don't know how that all plays out, but I don't think having a few more weeks or a few more days of rest for a team that's played a lot of hockeys recently is a bad thing. No, I don't think it's the choice that many of the players that would benefit from this rest no would doubt. make. They would prefer to go to the Olympics, certainly. But they're not going to turn down the rest if it's if it's there in front of them and they have no other option. Now, let's see how many games, and again, we're going under the assumption that that three-week window, or let's say two and a half weeks, if they decide to still have an all-star game, and we haven't really heard any information about that one way or the other. But let's say you have about two and a half weeks that are open. How many games will the league try and get rescheduled during that time frame? Again, assuming that what we think is going to happen is going to happen, which is NHL players are not going to be going to the Olympics. So how many games are the Lightning going to be making up? Will they be making up? Right now it's two they have to make up at Colorado, at Arizona, which is actually a road trip. I know it was a road trip on this one with Vegas in the middle, but the at Colorado, at Arizona trip is is one that is often, like the cities are linked. So I don't know how it's going to get rescheduled, but if it happens during this two-and-a-half-week period and it works for Colorado and Arizona to play the home games during that time I could see the Lightning making a trip to those two cities but they may have other games they have to make up too at this point we just don't know which will reduce the amount of time sure that we're talking about in terms of rest so uh, to me there's still a lot of moving parts but I accept your your premise which is that the the mid-season rest or I guess kind of late season rest in the regular season would benefit the lightning certainly wouldn't hurt them for sure and i think the more games they would have to make up yes would dig into the potential games um you know they, they wouldn't play for and and we'll have to find that out and then i think it kind of goes back to our conversation we had at the beginning what is the league's threshold when it comes to how many games they do want to miss postpone or make right. up and I think that's all on the table. But I think the good news is for the Lightning, and this is the, the scary part, I think, for the rest of the league, Dave, is that they are potentially getting healthier and will be healthier here in the next couple of weeks for sure. And, you know, I think we talked to Dave about uh, how are some of these pieces going to fit in, specifically Jack Eichel, when it came to meshing with certain players. I don't think that's as big a deal with guys like Braden Point and Kucherov coming into the lineup. But I think it'll be interesting to see where they fit in and who has the chemistry, and probably more importantly, Dave, who's coming out of the lineup. Would it be fair to say that might be the more intriguing element of all of this when these guys come back? It's not that will Kucherov and Point play at a high level. I think we all feel pretty good that they, they will. Who from this lineup that has gotten you to this point will be coming out of the lineup and what type of rotation will we will we see potentially yeah we've been having that question for a couple of weeks now and assume everyone stays healthy we're gonna get some answers here fairly soon as it stands right now 
with Point and Kucherov not available to play, let's say it stands right now as it relates to tonight's game, tonight, the Lightning have one extra healthy forward. That's Fortier. And I'm saying he's extra because he didn't play in the last game the way the Lightning are running the lines in practice, including yesterday's practice. Fortier would be the one extra guy. But you also have Point and Kucherov on the trip, and they are, are basically lining up with Fortier as an extra line. So that means you have 12 other players, and none of the 12 would be waiver-exempt. Now, clearly the Lightning are not going to be sending like Alex Kalorn through waivers, but even the other guys that you might look at, like Radish would have to clear waivers, Kachuk would have to clear waivers, Riley Nash clearly would have to clear waivers because the Lightning claimed him off the waiver wire. Cal Foot would have to clear waivers. He's a defenseman. But assuming that the Lightning are not going to be sending anyone through waivers, and I don't know, they may. I mean, I, speaking personally, I was a little surprised they sent Barry Boulay down the second time, you know, when, when he actually went through waivers to Syracuse because they decided not to keep him as an extra forward as they were starting that that five-game trip. That was when that transaction happened. So if you're going under the assumption that Fortier is going down because he is waiver-exempt, but the other 12 guys are going nowhere, and then you add Point and Kutra, that's 14 forwards, meaning that two players are going to be sitting. But that is going under the assumption that everybody stays healthy between now and the point that Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov return. They're also going to come back one first and the other second. So it sounds like Point is sooner to to getting back than Kucherov. So when Point returns, you're going to have one decision to make. And then when Kucherov comes back, you may have a second decision to make. But with Point's return, I'll call it, if not imminent, close, we should be getting an inkling as to where the Lightning are are heading and what they are thinking as far as who would be coming out of the lineup. There was a reason why they claimed Riley Nash, and it wasn't it wasn't just because they feel like this is part of it, like we heard from Derek Lalonde, because we had him on right after they claimed Riley Nash. Like they were thin in the middle and they had to play that game in St. Louis when Stamp goes left for the birth of his child. They basically had to play with three centermen. They didn't want to replicate that fine that was one reason to get Riley Nash but that wasn't the only reason to get Riley Nash they like his playoff experience so they didn't just pick him up as like a band-aid mid-season they have they have thoughts about using him in the playoffs so that might make them hesitant to try and send him through waivers and I don't know I mean I don't think there's any way you're sending Kachuka Radish through waivers. Not not at this point, no. Yeah. Sure. So maybe yeah. they maybe they go with fourteen forwards. Fourteen healthy forwards, knock on wood. If if that's a good problem to have, if the lightning can handle it for the second half of the season, and then you may be looking at a rotation, which is kind of what we were saying with Cal Foot when Chernak came back before he got hurt again. And sure enough, you know, Foot did sit out a couple of games. But then Chernak got hurt again, so Foot came back in. But I don't think that Foot was going to be sitting out indefinitely, so they were going to work a rotation there. And I would expect all of the things being equal, a similar scenario as they rotate the forwards. 
Before we sign off, thoughts on Schuster being recalled? I'm not sure what to read into it. I'm sure we'll get some clarity once mm-hmm. you know, speaks. Well, the there media. is a there is a roster freeze over the holidays. Yeah, so they might, that could be it. They might have wanted to get him on the roster before the freeze, but without clarification from somebody on the Lightning. I don't. I don't really feel comfortable speculating, except to say that the Lightning currently have six defensemen, and Schuster makes number seven. Yep. So it gives them a little wiggle room there. Yeah, a little wiggle room for sure, and uh, should be a good one tonight. You can join us at nine thirty. Puck dropping at ten, and then tomorrow we'll be back at it, breaking it all down for you. Stay safe out there, everybody, and thank you for listening, like you always do. And thanks to Dave Gosher who joined us, the Vegas play-by-play man. All right, Mish, talk to you tonight in a little bit. Talk to you tonight, late night. Late get that, night. Get that coffee pot I'm going to go get my nap. I'm going to go get my get nap. Get your nap in, yeah. Get my nap in, and uh, we'll all do that, which will be fun. Thanks, Steve, for your work as well. I am Greg Linnelli. It's Lighting Power Play.